0: Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Today we remember and commemorate our birth as a nation. With barbecues, parades, and fireworks, we celebrate the freedoms upon which this country was founded. The freedoms for which countless brave men and women have given and continue to offer their lives. And in many ways, this celebration is a good and right thing for us to do. We should be thankful. We should and ought to enjoy the blessings of our freedoms. We must not forget or take our history for granted. And yet, at the same time, as we celebrate, we need to acknowledge, we need to confess There is a dimension to this nation's founding, an ongoing element to the American story that runs counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is our continued assertion of the right of self-determination, our dogged insistence that through that our strength and endurance, both as a people and as a nation, comes from within ourselves. As we're going to be reminded today, nothing could be further from the revelation of God's word. As we return to the story of 1 Samuel, and in fact, near its conclusion, we come back to David, the man who has been anointed to be the next king of Israel, but surprisingly has chosen to make his home elsewhere in a foreign land. And how David ended up here had nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the Lord's direction, where David finds himself taking refuge among the Philistines. The fierce arch enemy of David's own people is a byproduct of his own self-determination. David is being guided by the strength of his own insight and wisdom in being here. In all of the decisions that have led to this moment, David has not sought the will of God, but has instead assumed, as the saying goes, God helps those who help themselves. An expression of faith, a life philosophy for some, that's not found in the pages of the Bible, but rather has been coined by one of America's founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. But David is about to discover, and hopefully, so will we, that the illusion of self-determination isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps only ends up proving that doing so is actually impossible. Looking for our strength within ourselves only ends up revealing the truth of how weak and helpless we really are. But, as we'll also learn through observing David, this revelation can be a good thing, one that can transform our lives because It's when we reach the end of ourselves, the limits of our strength and our control, that we become open to all that God can and will do in our lives and in this world. With this in mind, let's listen to David's story as recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Please keep those Bibles open as we'll be looking at the whole chapter and not just what is about to be read aloud. Hello Grace, today's reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 through 6. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we last left David and the 600 men in his company, they were mercenaries in the employment of King Ashish of the Philistines. And because of this... They found themselves in the awkward position of being expected to march into battle against their fellow kinsmen, the Israelites. However, just before things got underway, the military commanders of the Philistines complained to Ashish, voicing their distrust of David's allegiance and expressing their concern that David and his men would turn against them once the fighting got started. Facing sizable resistance to his plans, Ashish summarily orders David and his men to leave the battlefront and go back to Ziglag, this territory in Philistia over which David had been given control. And just like that, David's self-initiated plan to turn the table on the Philistines and thus defend his home nation of Israel is foiled. No doubt objected by about this. David and his men now undertake the three-day, 50-mile journey back to Ziglag, when just before their arrival, their situation only gets worse. As David and his men begin to draw close to Ziglag and see smoke on the horizon, increasing the speed of their steps as the feeling of terror grips their hearts, David and his men return not to a home-cooked meal, not to the warmth of their homes, not to a hug from their wives and children. No, instead, David and his men find the stronghold of Ziglag has been completely leveled, burned to the ground, and their wives and children have been taken captive. Later, they will discover it is the Amalekites, these foreign tribes to the south of Ziglag, upon whom David had previously been making his murderous raids. It's the Amalekites who have finally retaliated in full measure. But now, with the smoke still rising from the ashes, David and his men are left with nothing more than the realization that they have lost everything. And the blows keep on coming for David, as his own men, so loyal and trusting of him all this time, become embittered with his leadership, blaming David for their misfortune, the loss of their families. They even talk of stoning him to death. And here David clearly reaches one of the lowest points in his life. This particular episode is likely the source of more than one of his songs recorded in the book of Psalms. Can we picture David in this moment? Can we picture him seeing him in our mind's eye, standing upon the ruins of all his self-determined plans and purposes, caving to the pressure of Saul's relentless persecution, losing faith in God's assurance to protect and provide for him, despite the Lord's perfect track record in doing so? Believing he was wiser, convinced he was stronger on his own, David left Israel and built his sanctuary in a foreign land. And how had David built his fame and fortune? How had David kept himself not only alive, but highly successful and profitable in the land of the Philistines? Do we remember? Through smoke and mirrors, through cunning, lies and deceptions, accomplishing and profiting much. But now at what cost? Following the track of his own choice, David ends up here with his life literally going up in smoke. The consequences of David's attempt to go it alone, to be a self-made man have now left him completely isolated. Everyone he once considered family either have been taken from him or are too busy finding the rocks to kill him. Visualize, put yourself in the sandals of the crestfallen David who is realizing the implication of all his choices extends far beyond his own life, who is only now coming to understand that his self-determination comes at the cost of somebody else paying the price. Some 600 families had followed David in this new self-started venture to Ziglag. And now David feels the unbearable weight of having put every one of those families, including his own, at risk. A direct result of his choice To try to find his strength from within himself. From where do we get our strength? In the face of the obstacles before this life, the ongoing challenges of living in a broken world, from where do you find your power to keep going, to overcome? In these last 18 months, during these times of a global pandemic, of isolation, unemployment, canceled and postponed plans over the course of ongoing political division, a heated and contested election, growing civil unrest, and increasing violence. From where has our strength come? And by strength, we're not just talking about physical strength. We're speaking of our mental stability, our emotional health, our spiritual core, our wholeness as human beings. From where? Does your strength come from within yourself? Do you perceive, maybe even pride yourself on being a self-starter, a take charge, always in control kind of person? Someone who has through your decisions, your choices, your initiative and hard work, built and earned the life you now live. Are you a self-made person? And if so, what do you do? When it all falls apart, what will we do? How will we respond when, like David, we experience loss? Maybe even lose everything of the life we have tried to fabricate on our own. Loss is inevitable in a broken world loss is unavoidable when we buy into the myth that our lives are self-determined loss is devastating when the only strength we rely on is within ourselves and we end up finding ourselves exhausted and spent what loss have you endured what deep trouble what loss is on the horizon before you despite all your effort to be strong despite all your effort to self-determine the outcome of your life What loss is coming? Where do we turn when everything we invested in, a home, our family, a job, a community, a dream of our own, what do we do when everything we invested ourselves in turns to ashes? Do we kick and scream and stomp and demand our rights? What do we do? When we're confronted with the reality that our choices do not just affect me, myself, and I, but in fact our so-called personal choices bear consequences for others, sometimes even contributing to their suffering and devastation. What do we do in the midst of the guilt and the shame that is born of living a self-centered life? Do we attempt to deflect and deny our responsibility and instead, like David's men, assess blame and look for a scapegoat? Well, as Jesus once said, Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. My friends, when we reach the end of ourselves, how do we respond? Weary, heartbroken, rejected, pressured, and afraid, David responds by finding his strength in the Lord his God. Verse 6. In the midst of all the other stuff going on in this chapter, this verse is the key. This single sentence is the answer. David, unlike his men, doesn't look for someone to blame. David doesn't jump up and down and claim that life is not fair. David doesn't give in to his despair and wallow in his guilt and shame. David, unlike King Saul back in chapter 28, remember, doesn't try to go around God. No, David, who has ignored the Lord's direction, who has relied on his own wisdom and power and come to the end of himself, David, who has exhausted himself with tears, now surrenders himself to God. David, who has finally hit rock bottom, looks in the only direction that he can. He looks up, beyond himself. David, who has lost everything, starts over by finding his strength in the Lord. Practically speaking, what does this mean? What does this mean that David found strength in the Lord, his God? Well, let's begin by clarifying what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that David thought about God and that made him feel better about things. David finding his strength in the Lord isn't about David receiving some sort of spiritual boost or divine shot in the arm. And David finding his strength in the Lord also doesn't mean that David did everything he thought he could do and then figured, well, now let's see what God can do. No, David doesn't as we so often tend to, David doesn't come to the Lord as his last option, having exhausted all other possible avenues. Notice, pay attention, David doesn't ask God to straighten out the mess he's made. David's first move is not finding out what to do next. No, David starts over. David goes back to square one. David simply abides in the presence of God. Without qualification or any request, David puts his life back where it belongs, in his father's hands. David rests in the promise and assurance that the Lord is not just any God or some higher power. But did you notice? But that the Lord is his God. Beloved, let me underscore an insight that's easy to miss here. It's the relationship and not the results that are paramount when it comes to finding our strength in the Lord. We often view God as a means to get what we want out of life. And and part of the reason for this is that we've bought and sold a watered-down, tastes-great-but-less-filling version of the gospel that goes like this. Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. And, And while this is most certainly true, it leaves out this part. It's not your wonderful plan that Jesus has for your life. It's his. If we believe God only exists as a means to give us what we want out of life, then finding our strength in the Lord becomes equated with getting the results we desire in a given situation. We put our faith in the Lord. God is good when things go the way we expect. But my friends, the Lord is not a means to our end. God is the end. There's all the difference in the world between an intellectual capacity to conceive of a higher power and entering into a vibrant, ongoing relationship with the living God. The God who purposes not just to be known by us, but to be present in an everlasting relationship with us. The God who even goes so far as to come down in the person of Jesus Christ to show us just how much, how far and wide and deep, his love and commitment to this world is. A full and abundant life is not having it all. A full, abundant life is knowing the Lord, being a child of our Heavenly Father and thus receiving everything we need to flourish and grow into our best selves. Being in a loving, dependent relationship with the Lord is what satisfies. This is where our strength comes from. Again, notice it's only after David found his strength in God that he then inquires of the Lord and receives divine assurance. It is abiding and being in communion with the Lord that strengthens David, not a promise of success. After yielding and leaning into his relationship with the Lord, David stops relying on his own wisdom and insight and then seeks the Lord's direction. And God answers him, right? Encouraging David to pursue those who have carried away their families and assuring David that he and his men will be successful in rescuing them. So, back to our story, David and his army travel swiftly to the Besor Ravine, about a dozen miles south of Ziglag. And along the way, for about one-third of David's men, the journey just proves to be too much. Already exhausted from their three-day, 50-mile journey back to Ziglag, they can't go on. And so David and the rest of his men, about 400, press on without them. And together they travel without stopping through the wilderness. They're trying to track whoever has attacked them. They still don't know. They're looking for signs of their passage. When finally David and his men stumble upon a half-dead Egyptian in the desert. Offering some water and food to revive this ailing man, this Egyptian slave who had been left for dead, reveals to David that it was the Amalekites who raided Ziklag. This Egyptian then proceeds to lead David and his men to the Amalekite camp. And when they arrive... David and his men are very much outnumbered. But thanks to the initial element of surprise and relying on the Lord's strength, they soundly defeat the Amalekites after a full day of fighting. In fact, the victory is so complete that the Amalekites are not mentioned as an opponent of Israel for another 300 years. Amazingly, miraculously, David and his men regain all they have lost every one of their wives and children are unharmed and returned to them and this brings us to another important insight from this passage while it's evident that the lord gave david and his men this incredible victory clearly god did not did god did not just hand it to them you know magically eliminating the amalekites and whisking their families back to them no blood sweat and tears were necessary a battle still had to be fought the point is Finding our strength in the Lord means acting out of that strength that the Lord gives to us. There is an actually a reflexive component in Hebrew to that phrase in verse 6, finding his strength in the Lord his God. David is strengthened by the Lord, in other words, but David is involved in the process. David is assured of the victory to come, but David and his men have to follow God. They have to trust the Lord, and they have to act upon God's promises. Much later in the New Testament, when the apostle Paul is communicating with the early church in Philippi, Paul will express this same idea when he writes, while it is God who works in us, we are still to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul repeats this theme a little differently when he writes to the Ephesians and stresses that while we are saved through faith and not by works, we are also called to do good works out of the faith, the grace we have been given. In other words, our life with God living out of the strength of the Lord is not just an intellectual or emotional reliance upon God, but it's about actions rooted in faith, reliance upon the power and promise of the Lord. Finding our strength in God means practically, tangibly living out of the Lord's strength rather than our own. What does this look like? What what does this look like? How How do we break the habit of trying to live out of our own resources instead of beginning by finding our wisdom and strength in the Lord? Well, finding our strength in the Lord is fundamentally about our posture towards God. And the repeated posture the Bible calls us to have in relation to our Creator is one of complete reliance. We are to look to and approach our Heavenly Father not as equals or partners, but as helpless, dependent children. To put this another way, the only way we can begin to find our strength in the Lord is when we adopt a posture as we embrace, as we confess our absolute weakness and thus our total need for God. But this isn't easy. It isn't easy because together we've crafted a world built on the false conviction that only the strong survive. In attempting to build a life apart from God, we've turned self-autonomy, rugged individualism, and the ability to take care of oneself as one of our highest values. Isn't this the essence of the American dream? We live in a world that doesn't value weakness at all. We're taught early on to never let others see our weakness. Pull yourself together. Stop crying. Get a hold of yourself. you got to be strong. We're raised. Right, We're raised to understand that thriving in this life, let alone any chance of surviving, is never letting them see you sweat. We must overcome our weaknesses, we're taught, or at the very least, disguise them. You know, before becoming a pastor, I worked in human resources. And from my time in that line of work, one of the things I'll always remember is when potential candidates for hire would invariably be asked in a job interview... What are your strengths and weaknesses? I kid you not, every person I interviewed would attempt to avoid acknowledging any weaknesses that they had by always reframing their weaknesses as being actual strengths. Like this. uh, One of my weaknesses is impatience, uh, particularly with those who are not as committed to their work as I am, but I just really like to get things done. Or how about this one? You know one of my weaknesses is my tendency to be a perfectionist but it's just that i'm all about seeing things done right (laughs) try as we may to deny or disguise our weaknesses we aren't fooling anyone but ourselves when it comes to our relationship with god any strength we have any intelligence any innate gifts any learned skills any achievements or resources we accumulate are first And foremost, by the mercy and grace of God. Our Creator gives and takes away. Our Heavenly Father provides. Apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. On our own, we are unable to hold on to anything we build. On our own, we end up losing everything we love, including our life. The only reason we have any strength at all of body, mind, heart, or soul, including the very air that fills our lungs, is because of God alone. In other words, it is only in acknowledging, not hiding or denying our weakness before God that we can find our true and lasting strength. Our greatest strength means nothing without God because without the Lord, we have no actual strength of our own. All that we have and all that we are It's by the grace of God alone. It's not by our power, but only by his power working in and through us that our lives, that this world can be changed for the better. Do we truly believe this? Do we truly believe this? Do we functionally, daily surrender to this foundational truth of the gospel? Or have we convinced ourselves that our salvation in Christ, finding our strength in the Lord, It doesn't have to be an ongoing daily posture, but just merely a response, a decision we make that's only necessary when we end up on death's door. Are we getting up and beginning each day? Do we enter into every situation and each relationship that life brings? Do we begin by confessing our weakness, our absolute need for Jesus, and thus living out of God's grace with every decision and action we take? Or are we still... Are we still trying to project the impression that we're self-made and self-sufficient, that we've got it all together, that we're in control of our lives? And when those moments of loss come, as they inevitably do, or when we're stuck in a jam is that the only time when we, f- we try to find our strength in the Lord and in that moment using God as a means to our end to get back to where we want to be rather than being and knowing and becoming our true selves in Christ? Oh, Beloved, we can't claim to be saved by grace and yet attempt to live out of our own strength because God's strength, his grace, it's revealed. It's manifest. The grace of Jesus Christ transforms our lives. Not through our strength, but through our weakness. Finding our strength in the Lord begins with a daily, regular posture of humble but hopeful acknowledgement of our absolute need for God. Such a posture is hopeful when we realize that our Heavenly Father doesn't expect perfection from us. Calling us His children, the Lord knows. We're still learning and growing in Him. In fact, this process of maturing, becoming our best selves, the birth of a perfect world, It's the very work that God has committed himself to do in and through us by the Word and Spirit of Christ. It's not up to us. Instead of perfection, God asks us for honesty. Instead of valuing our strength, the Lord calls us to prize his grace. Instead of attempting to put our hope in ourselves, our Father looks for us to find our strength, our hope in him. The litmus test? The litmus test of whether or not we're relying on our own strength rather than the power of God is this. The litmus test is when we find ourselves exhausted and worn out, but still not satisfied and content. Still convinced we have to keep all those plates spinning. Still trapped by the pressure put on us by others or the fear that comes from that relentless voice inside our head that it all depends on us. We can most certainly tell when we're trying to find our strengths within ourselves. Because when we fail, when we experience loss, if we're looking for strength within ourselves, instead of embracing our weakness, instead of accepting our limitations, our knee-jerk response when we're looking for strength within ourselves will be to blame someone else for all our troubles, maybe even God. And not long after that, that grief from our loss will become bitterness. Bitterness that gets expressed towards others. Living out of our own power only leaves us running on empty. Trying to muster our strength from within inevitably reveals, whether we admit it or not, our true weakness. So if you've ever sensed that you're fighting an uphill battle, in changing yourself, and transforming your life, if you've ever felt you can't win your battles on your own, I have good news for you. You can't. We can't. And God never intended us to live this way, on our own, helping, saving ourselves. The help we need, the salvation we seek, isn't the result of working out of our own wisdom and strength. No, we can't change ourselves into who we were meant to become, the best version of ourselves. We can't change ourselves no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we eat right no matter how much we work out, no matter how much we educate ourselves, no matter how hard we work and get promoted, no matter how much money we earn and how much stuff we buy, no matter how much we attempt to construct the ideal life, marriage, family, or community, the limitations and consequences of our humanity due to sin, the sufferings and the chaos of this fractured world, that's a burden we can't carry. These are problems we can't solve on our own. And it's in facing these realities rather than denying them that we come to see why we need to find our strength in the Lord. Not just as some encouraging phrase on a sticky note on the fridge or some decorative bookmark, but as the posture and practice of every single day of our lives. Just as David finally looked up instead of continuing to look within and responded to the gospel, the good news of who God is and how God purposes to be our strength, let us, even as we wave the flag of this nation, let us always look to the cross. Let us always remember the resurrection of Christ. Let us always abide in the Spirit as the one and only source of our true and lasting freedom, as the one and only source of our present and enduring strength, both now and forever. Because lasting growth and real transformation are only possible when we declare the truth of our weakness stop living in our own strength, and receive the power of a loving and present God. Transformation comes when we make room for the Holy Spirit to fill us and set us free from trying to be perfect and empower us and direct us to be perfected through following Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.